This episode is brought to you by Performance Lab, the creators of the Focus Planner, which is the first diary I've ever used that condenses gratitude, daily tasks, time blocking, and grounding prompts all into a two-page format that takes me literally no longer than five minutes a day to fill out. Visit performancelab.com.au to check it out and use the code BALANCE at checkout for 30% off your planner. Perfect for anybody who wants to have their best day every day. Now let's dive into today's episode. I could have a really great day. What would that look like? Because it kind of occurred to me that everyone wants to have a great day, right? No one wants to say, no one says I want to have a crappy day. Everyone goes, I'd love to have a really great day. But no one ever stops and thinks, what does a great day actually look like? Like, is that achievable for me? And if I write it down, then it becomes achievable for me, Mm. right? Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. Tony, a very big welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. Thanks so much for having me on. No, it's a pleasure. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about what you are doing and your long journey of how you fell into it? So I was originally a performance coach for elite athletes and sporting teams. Uh, I'm based in Brisbane. So here in Brisbane, through Australia, I worked with Olympic athletes, worked overseas with some uh, college and professional teams in the States. And the thing that really engrossed me about teams and athletes was the fact that you could have so many different teams and different athletes on those teams with very, very similar skills and abilities. And yet you would have some that really went on to achieve amazing things. You'd have some teams that would build amazing team culture. And then you would have others that just wouldn't kind of make it to those levels. And so I got really interested in what the difference between those two things is. I really lucked in at one point to a few of sponsors of the teams that I worked with that started asking me to come and work with their leadership teams and their people. And then this kind of grew into, into exactly that. And My original focus was all around teams and culture. And then it was a really busy time personally. We had three boys under two years old. Um, I was working really hard. And I think we were in the throes of trying to sell and buy a house as well. And it was around Christmas time. And I went out to lunch with some friends and had this episode where we were just sitting there talking and I was having a couple of drinks and I went to take a drink and the whole right side of my face kind of paralyzed. And I took this sip of wine, I remember, and the wine literally just dribbled out of my mouth. And I had this moment where I went, what is going on here? And I was trying to remain calm. And in remaining calm, oddly, I went to take a drink of water and the same thing happened, drink this water, it literally just dribbled out the side of my mouth. And I excused myself and I got up and went to the bathroom and I could not move the right-hand side of my face. And I sat in this bathroom for a while going, what is going on? And after about 10, 15 minutes, I kind of got feeling back and I got movement back, although it still felt kind of really numb. And I just went out and excused myself from lunch and I went to see my doctor and he said, you've, you've had a stress episode. He said, have you, you know, is there some stressful stuff going on in your life? And I said, yeah, there is. And that kind of sent me on this journey to work out, okay, I've been working a lot with teams and organizational culture, but what does it mean for us to be able to perform at our best every day, right? So how do we manage ourselves so we can show up and just do our best work every day without burning out? And 
that's probably become about 80% of my business now. 20% is still working with teams and within team culture. And 80% is just working with staff on, you know, exactly that. How do we show up every day with the best version of ourselves? But how do we do it without putting us, ourselves under so much stress that we burn out? Wow, that's that's an epic journey. And it's funny, hey, how <laughs> if you don't listen to your body, eventually we'll just get to a point where it'll show you and it'll say, hey, now's enough. It's a, it's a pivoting point. But I think that's so important. And I think that we live in a time where being busy has been so overglorified, you know, and, and burnout is kind of, or, or being stressed is almost like a default state. And it's, it's really not ideal. I would personally argue it's not ideal. And I, I remember reading on your website a little phrase and it said, work-life balance is dead. And so I'm very curious to know, I guess, your thoughts and how that whole concept of work-life balance being dead plays into the work that you do. You're not only professionally working in that space, but you've personally experienced that burnout where those tipping scales are just too far in one way. And you may have felt like neglect in the other areas as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose when we say work-life balance is dead, we're not saying don't even try to achieve it. Do you know what I mean? But I think our, our, our basic notion of it is dead. And I talk about it as being kind of mediocre in everything, just trying to keep everything, you know, all the balls up in the air sort of thing. And I don't think that is the right kind of lens to view it through. Interestingly, all the research is telling us that to really perform at our best, right, to be really fulfilled and do our best work, we really need to be able to perform well in what we call the three critical areas. And three critical areas are work, home and relationships, and the area of self, right? And because that's literally you know, that, a marry with our framework. So I'm already loving this. <laughs> yeah. And so we have these three areas. And, and you know, I, I think one of the things that really holds us back from achieving any semblance of work-life performance or work-life integration or whatever you want to call it is our the original theory of work-life balance is a theory of sacrifices, right? It says, if I want to be really good at life, I probably have to suck at work and if I want to be really good at work I have to not be so good at life right because we have these yes. scales yeah whereas what the research is telling us is that all of these things are kind of mutually inclusive right and really interdependent and we kind of get that when we think about the really big things that happen in our lives right we know that if we go to work and we hate our jobs and we're not doing well we know that our, that will affect our home and relationships and we know it will affect our sense of self and we know that if we're going through bad relationship stuff, we know that it will negatively, negatively affect work. But what people don't understand is outside of those really big things, they don't understand the degrees, right? So there's this concept in science we call emotional distraction. And all it means is when we have an emotional reaction to something, that emotional brain sort of hijacks what we call our thinking brain, our ability to problem solve and do critical thinking and control our emotions and behaviors. It actually starts to shut that down and sends us to autopilot kind of reactive behaviors instead. And it tells us that for even very small amounts of negative emotion, that process starts happening. So there's a really great experiment where they put people on a, on a exercise bike and they get them to um, exercise at a certain level of their maximum. And they flash up either happy faces or sad faces on a screen in front of them. And if I flash up happy faces for you, it will increase your time to exhaustion by about 10%, right? Just wow. from seeing happy faces. Whereas what happens with the negative emotion, the negative effect, it starts to shut down the part of our brain that can kind of control our, our self-discipline, if you like, right? 
And so when we understand that, we start to understand that even small things, right? So I turn up to work on Monday, I feel maybe a little bit guilty about not spending enough time with the kids or working a bit too much on the weekend. Now I start to understand that that actually affects me at work, right? Not to the same extent as, as my relationships falling apart, but it has an effect. Um, I also know that if I leave work on a Friday and I'm anxious about some things that didn't get done or whatever it is, then that affects me over the weekend. And there's, there's some really great research that shows the number of unfinished tasks you have on a Friday, right? If you mm -hmm. correlate that with the amount of quality sleep you get and the amount of times you think about work over the weekend, those two things end up positively correlated, right? If I have more things un, you know, undone on my to-do list at the end of Friday, I actually don't sleep very well and I think about work more on the weekend. And so mm -hmm. when we can understand all those little things, we can kind of understand that, okay, so to be great at work, I actually have to look after these other parts of my life as well. And conversely, to be great at home relationships, I have to actually look, look after work also. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's and like so there's, that, this, there's this beautiful synergy between the areas of your life. And I've yeah. always said, you know, it's, it's so important to be active in each of them to some degree. Now, obviously, depending on one's um, responsibilities and, you know, what they've got on their plate, the degree to which they can engage in those different areas are going to vary. But I think yeah. as an individual, you have to be realistic and try at least to be active in some element of each of those because like we said and like we're saying they, they're all codependent and they will flow on to one another so would you have any while we're on this topic would you have any tips for like making the most of your weekend like do you personally pre-plan your weekends or are you more sporadic and just sort of in the moment more grateful and present like do you have any tips to kind of embrace or make the most of those that time off because I think that's the difference right like most people and like good luck to you if you don't, but most people have to work. And so, you know, it, the, the, I think the defining factor between people's lifestyles is what they choose to do in their spare time. Absolutely. And so, do you know, what? I think there's a couple of layers to this really. And if we look at work-life balance or work-life performance or whatever you want to call it, um, I love the introduction to your podcast because it says um, finding your own definition of work-life balance, right? And the reality is that most people don't have a definition. They, they don't actually know what it looks like. If you say to people, if people say, I want more work-life work balance, you say, what does that look like? They'll say something like, um, I'd like to get home a bit earlier, a couple of days a week, or not work so much on the weekends or whatever it is. And it's really, really vague. But one of the reasons that work gets our attention so much is that it has some things that really appeal to our hardwiring, right? It has clear goals for us to achieve it has you know short deadlines people holding us accountable it has all Focus. of these things that yeah. yeah it has all of these things we can tick things off and feel good about it. it has all these things that really appeal to our hardwiring so it gets our attention whereas we look if we look at home and relationships and self you actually don't really take the time to stop and think about what those things look like so that definition piece is really important so almost from a macro level we have to go okay what is work-life balance to me? We almost have to have this mental model and whether it's balancing work-home relationships and self, whether it's saying it's not about being mediocre in everything, it's about finding the things that are really important in each of those areas and being really relentless in executing on those things, just really honing in on those things and forgetting a lot of the other stuff. You know, so if, at a macro level, we kind of need that. At a sort of intermediate or meso level, if you like, we almost need to go, from a work point of view, who do I want to be? Like, let's actually think about this. From a work point of view, do I want to be a 
great leader or do I want to be a, um, you know, just someone who's really happy and productive at work or do I, is there a promotion that I want to get? And the same with home and relationships and self, right? From a home relationships point of view, who do I want to be and what's really important right now? And again, that'll change from time to time, but we need to be clear about what that is. And then we almost have this micro definition, right? Which is what can I do today to get closer to that thing? But mm. without the other things, we can't actually have the micro. We can't have yeah. the what do I do today? Yeah. So then identifying little things that I can do every day, okay? And that might be if I'm a parent, maybe it's just having a great conversation with my kids at dinner, right? Instead of answering emails or whatever it is. Um, if it's a personal thing, maybe I need to manage stress and maybe it's just finding literally one minute to stop and breathe during the day or whatever it is, but having these little things that we can work on every day yeah. um, and being mindful of those things, I think is really important. And then when it comes to the weekend, we can reflect on those things and start saying, okay, if I was going to be a you know great parent or um, if I was going to really manage stress well or whatever that is, what would that look like for me on the weekend, right? Mm. Would it be making sure we do one quality activity or do I go to yoga for half an hour or find, you know, get out in nature for a bit or whatever it is. So we have these things through our weekend. We need yeah. downtime at some stage too, right? So you can't be kind of operating oh, all, the all the time. <laughs> but making sure you have these moments where you go, okay, this is my definition of good. This is my mm -hmm. definition of balance. And therefore I can execute on that and feel like I have that balance. Yeah, wow. There's so many takeaways from that. And I hope everyone's been writing down or mentally jotting down notes because that's actually quite a nice three-tiered way to get clarity on what your balance is. And that is so important. And you're right. Like I think for many people listening, they'll resonate a lot when, when they say, well, what actually does balance look like to you? And I do think it's it's a shifting concept, you know, like and, and things get thrown your way and you, you might be very clear on your balance and, you know, you wake up with a total spanner in the works and that's that's completely normal too but I think if we're just looking at you know life life in general that is so important because then you know when things are outside of that definition you know yeah and yeah. you know that that's I guess what doesn't deserve your time and attention because I think a lot of people may have and I certainly do as well struggle to say no to things sometimes you fall down a little bit of a people pleasing path or you know you just go to that thing because you feel like you have to and then you get home and you think god I really wish I didn't go to that or you're dreading it until it happens all these things I think if you get clear on your balance and I guess who you want to be in each of the areas of your life it becomes a lot easier to unapologetically defend that and I think that is so important and I think all the layers you've gone through even down to like you know once you get clear on a macro meso and then minor level you can actually actionably do things day to day and one thing I've actually said in passing before on the podcast is you know sometimes it's a little bit onerous or it seems so um what's the word overwhelming to you know commit an hour to yourself every day or you know if you've got a massive day ahead of you to, to say you're going to do all these things when you get home and then you know emails come through deadlines get pushed back and that that's kind of a way to the wayside so I think it's important to commit to a time every day and do not deviate from that if it's if 10 minutes is all you can do if five minutes is all you can do it's just time for yourself that you carve out 
you know, make it, make it something that works with your routine. If it's what, when you're on the train, you know, that, you know, you literally, you can't get off. You're going to have that time, whether it's, you always go around the block at, at a lunch break, even if you can't take a full lunch break, whatever it is, you know, have something for yourself so that incrementally every day you can work towards that balance. It's not like at the end of every week, you have to just plan for the week ahead. It's like, we can do small things every day to get us closer to that goal. Absolutely. And the, the daily part is really important because that's what builds habits, right? Yes. If I do it once a week, then that's a, it's going to be, take a very long time to build that habit if it builds at all. Do it seven times faster if it's daily. <laughs> Think about yeah, it. That yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, the thing I would say is when you think of those things, make them super achievable, especially at the start, right? Rig the game in your favor. Make them so achievable it's ridiculous because what happens is when we start a new behavior or when we set a goal to start a new behavior and then, it, you know, I say, oh, okay, I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes a day or whatever it is. And then I go a couple of days and I don't find that 20 minutes. I actually feel really bad about that. Do you know what I mean? Like I think, oh no. I'm oh, guilty. And so all of a sudden there's no chance of that behavior reinforcing. But yeah. if I say I'm just going to do a minute a day and I do a minute a day, I feel pretty good about that. And so I'll continue to do it. And so I can build momentum there. And what we know is that if people can just get the minute, then all of a sudden they'll find five minutes. And then all of a sudden they'll find seven and then 10. And that becomes doing a lot 20 easier. 20 before they know it. <laughs> Absolutely. And maybe they do 20 twice a week and every other day they do, but it's something then that stays front of mind. And I think that's one of the biggest ways that we kind of lose track of our work-life balance is because it just it, there's so much coming at us we just forget to do stuff. I might have every intention of, yeah. you know, getting home on time or whatever it is, but all of a sudden it's 6.30 at night and I'm still sitting in the office. I go, oh man, I just forgot. And so having those little rituals that help us to kind of build that behavior in every day are really, really valuable. I always say doing small things really regularly always trumps doing big things every now and then. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. Love that point. Now I want to ask you, and I know you speak a lot about this in your work as well. What is a winning mindset? What does that mean? All right. So you got a massive you know, smile on your face. I can <laughs> this is something you absolutely love. So this and motivation are two of my favorite topics, right? We'll do motivation. So, um, we'll do the motivation piece next. So, <laughs> so do you know the most the most the closest approximation of winning mindset is really growth mindset right that same thing the, the the foundation of winning mindset is really saying do you know what i can be really good at pretty much anything if i put in the work right take out things that may you may need to have a physical predisposition for right so if you're not seven foot and you want to play in the NBA, you're probably going to struggle, right? But for pretty much anything else we want to do, it's again, that performance equals capability times behaviors. If I can find the right things to do and I can be relentless in executing those things really consistently, then I will get better at stuff. Will I be the best in the world? Maybe, maybe not, but I definitely will get better. So that's the, that, that's the kind of foundation um, of winning mindset. If we break it down into kind of the other elements, it sort of looks like this. Number one, again, we come back to kind of a sense of clarity, right? What is it that I want to get out of this situation or what is it that I want to achieve? Being really clear on those things, right? That would be number one. The second thing would be the one thing that is almost like the gateway that stops everyone from the next bit. And that is just being intentional about what we do every day, right? Mm -hmm. 
the vast majority of people are super reactive all day. I sit at my computer, I open my email, I start answering those. I react to everything that's around me. So the technical name for this is bottom-up processing. We just see stuff in front of us and we react to it. We do that stuff, right? Whereas winning mindset is more about being intentional or what we call top-down processing, which is say, okay, here's what I want to get out of this. And therefore I will choose the behaviors that get me there rather than just reacting to what's around me. And then the final two things really are understanding that process trumps outcome. So again, going back to behavior, doing the things that get me to the end point is actually more important than the end point itself, right? Mm. And if I understand that, if I understand what those things are, and if I understand, if, if I start to get some inspiration out of just doing those things as opposed to the end result, that is what makes my performance really sustainable. And then the final thing in all of that is just accountability too, is just taking responsibility for my successes, my failures, my attitude, all of those things, being responsible for those and not giving that responsibility or that control to other things and other people. Because you're listening to this podcast episode, I know you're someone who is always looking for ways to more effectively use their time. That's how I know you'll completely fall in love with the tool I've been using every single morning that is the reason behind my consistent discipline, motivation, and focus. The Focus Planner is the only planner I've ever come across that gives me prompts to prioritize important tasks for the day, grounds me to who I want to show up as in all my balance areas, combines a gratitude practice, and utilizes time blocking to map my day out. And yes, can you believe it? All of this just takes me five minutes, just five minutes to maximize an entire day. If you feel you have that something missing when it comes to making each day productive, trust me, you won't regret trying this out. I've got an exclusive 30% off code just for you. So hit the link in our show notes and use the code balance at checkout. Now let's get back to the episode. That was very dense. I love that. What would be like the starting point to, to really just get started on how to tap into a winning mindset or how to have more like sustained performance level rather than a yo-yo kind of reactive performance level? What would be the starting point? I think the simplest answer to that and what I think is the greatest three to five minute investment that you can make every single day is at the start of the day, just plan your day, right? That's it. I like to go, okay, in, in work, for instance, what are the most important things for me to do at work, right? What are, the mo- what are the things that really make a difference versus the things that I sometimes get dragged into that make no difference at all, right? And waste like three hours of my day. Um, what are the most important things to do at work? Um, and then I look at the home relationships and self parts. What can I do to positively impact those things as well today? And then put your meetings into your day, you know, whatever things are um, unavoidable, put them in there and then just work out when you are going to do those things that you said are really important. Just put Mm. them into your day, just schedule them in. And this helps us do a couple of really important things. So number one, makes our day realistic, right? It says, okay, if I said that I was going to do all these things, but I got six meetings, like I actually can't do those things. So what am I going to do about it? Um, The second thing it does is that it starts to give some deadlines to each of those things. I, I said that I was going to do these things between 11 and one today. Now, all of a sudden, I have this kind of false deadline that I've imposed on myself and I will work to get those things done in that two hours. So there's a really, um, there's a fascinating concept called Parkinson's law. Have you heard of Parkinson's law? No. So Parkinson's law states that a task will expand to fill the amount of time that you allocate to it, right? So a great example of this is you say at one o'clock in the afternoon, you say, 
I've got this stuff to do and I want to leave here at five. So I've got till five o'clock to do it. It will take you until five o'clock to do that, right? And but if you actually said, do you know what? I'm going to get this done by four. And then from four till five, I'm going to work on this project that I'm really interested in or whatever. Then you'll probably get that same amount of stuff done by four. You just yeah. won't procrastinate as much. You'll probably yeah. work with a slightly higher intensity. And so once we allocate time to everything during the day, it's almost like we get these moments where we go, all right, I said I'd do that between 11 and 12. And I get to ramp my performance up into that performance zone a little more. Mm. And the beautiful thing about this is that it frees up more time for me later in the day as well. One of the things I find really funny is we've all got stuff that we don't like doing at work, right? There's like admin stuff or yeah. whatever it is that you dislike doing. Do you know the vast majority of people, they'll start to work on that stuff and they will procrastinate and get distracted and they'll actually make it take longer than it should have. Like, why would we do that? Why wouldn't we just say, right, I'm going to knock this stuff over in an hour and then I'm going to do something else. But instead, we kind of just, you know, we kind of spread it out so it occupies more of our day than it actually should. And it's a great example of, you know, the, the external environment dragging us out of that performance zone. So mm -hmm. that would be it. It's plan your day, but really plan your day. Don't just write yeah. in your meetings. Everyone does that. Really decide what's most important and decide when you are going to do those things. Yeah. And there's this great quote, I think it's by Jim Quick and it's make the most important thing, the most important thing. So if you have clarity on, you know, who you want to be in your areas of life and you, you yeah. make that clear to yourself daily in an intentional, like you said, like when planning out your day, then you will make time for it. And that's a really good tip about, you know, like actually giving yourself little time, time blocks for certain yeah. tasks so that you're not expanding in because I, I mean whilst I hadn't heard of Parkinson's law it's something I've felt you know that that task and I'm just like wow this has been a while now that I've been here but no 100% that's a that's a really great tip um yeah, yeah. And before I let you go I do want to drill your your mind about motivation and I know it's something you're also very passionate about and I am just going to come out with a straight up question is motivation a load of bs <laughs> there's kind of two answers to that right there's like the elite Zen answer. And then there's the answer for most of us, right? So the elite answer is yes. Motivation is BS. Like motivation doesn't matter because motivation is an emotion, right? And emotions don't drive outcomes. Mm. Actions drive outcomes. And when we start saying, um, I wasn't motivated this morning, so I couldn't get up and go to the gym, for instance, right? When we start saying that I couldn't do this thing, I couldn't take this action because of this emotion, when we buy into that, it becomes a really slippery slope for us, right? So I can't go to the gym because I didn't feel great about going to the gym, right? So where does that stop? Where do we end up going, do you know what? I came home from work and I was really frustrated and stressed from work. So I actually couldn't be nice to you tonight. <laughs> do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I know. Like when, you, when you compartmentalize and use like a different emotion, it sounds a bit strange. Absolutely. And we're, we're not in great control of our emotions, but we are in control of the things that we do, right? So saying that I'm not motivated so I couldn't get up, put my shoes on and go to the gym is exactly the same as I couldn't get up and put my shoes on and go to the gym because I was a little sad or I was anxious about something or I was happy. Like the emotion doesn't actually drive the action unless we let it. Yes. Does that make sense? Like we yes, could, you totally. can, it doesn't matter if you're sad, mad, frustrated, angry, still treat people nicely. You can still yeah. get up and put your shoes on. We can yeah. actually do it. So 
that's kind of the, the high level Zen answer is that it actually doesn't matter. The second answer to that is for most people, you want to feel some sort of motivation in order to execute behaviors, right? And whether that behavior is going to the gym or um, getting started on a project or writing a book or whatever it is, or just getting home early and spending focused time with your family and friends. And this is where our most basic driver of human behavior is simply that we seek pleasure and avoid pain, right? That is it at its most basic, highest level, first instance of kind of information filtering, that's what we do. We seek pleasure and avoid pain. The problem with doing anything worthwhile is that it's hard, right? It is hard to get up early and go to the gym. It's hard to focus on long-term projects when there's other things screaming at you for your your attention right now. And I always say, you know, we, we need motivation to do those hard things, but there's other things we don't need motivation for. Like who needs motivation to go get coffee? No one, right? We just do it. <laughs> and why is that? It's because it feels good. We like doing it. And the three, re- the four, sorry, reasons that we will engage in a behavior is simply that we like doing it, feels good. It might avoid a, in, an immediate consequence. We'll do things because of that or because it reinforces my self-concept, right? Mm-hmm. I might not like doing my admin, but I've decided I'm a person that does admin and gets it in on time. And therefore I will do it, right? So it reinforces my self-concept. Now, if we think about that, motivation then becomes a reward problem. I wake up early and it feels terrible to wake up early. So I don't want to do it. So I'm not motivated to do it, right? And as long as it keeps feeling bad, it probably negatively reinforces, it stops me from wanting to do it. So if we could think of motivation with this really, really simple lens, right? Simple concept, hard to execute. If we can take the things that feel bad and make them feel good, we'll be motivated to do those things, right? So take getting up early as an example. Unless you are one of those lucky people that love getting up early, you wake up and you go, this kind of feels horrible. How can I actually make this feel good? And there's a whole bunch of research on, if I just say, hey, I know getting up's hard, but if I do that, that's actually a good achievement for me. And I give myself like this little virtual high five that actually helps, right? To go, you know what? Good on you. You actually did that and you got up and you were able to overcome that. Other people might want to get up and drive to the gym in the dark at five o'clock in the morning and post something on their social media. Maybe that makes them feel good, right? Mm. But anything that we can do to make us feel good, all of a sudden increases our chances exponentially of doing that thing. As long as we keep sort of just trying to exert that self-discipline and we don't master this idea of taking bad things and making them feel better, then we'll constantly, you'll go up and down in motivation a lot. And until you can master that, you'll just sort of hit this wall of sometimes having the discipline to do it and sometimes not. Yeah, no, I love that because especially when you think of all the things you quote need motivation for, there always is things that are not that enjoyable to do. Go to the gym, go for a run, get up early, meal prep, start a business. All these things are actually complicated and they're not easy flowing. And so that's a great point. Like I try and I guess it's reframing, right? It's thinking what actually is the good, the good about this or how can I make this a reward piece, I guess, Absolutely. to what I'm doing. Before I let you right. go and thank you for your time, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your planners, how they came about and, and what they're about. I'd love to know a little bit about them and just let the audience hear a bit about, I guess, what they are. I run courses for companies around um, kind of optimal performance. And a few years ago now, someone said to me, look, how do I operationalize this every day? Like, how do I keep it front of mind and keep doing it? 
And at that point, I just kind of had a blank journal and I was doing it myself every day. And so I decided to create this planner that takes kind of a lot of things that we just talked about and gives you this reminder every day about them, right? So every day you open it up and there are literally, there's the first question is, the most important things for me to do at work are these things. And it only gives you space for three things, right? That is it. They have to be the most important things. And then there's questions every day that say, um, to positively impact home relationships, I will do this. And you fill it out. To positive, positively impact self, I'll do this. Um, there's a recharge piece. To recharge, I will do this. And that's just a moment Beautiful. to disconnect or breathe or whatever it is. And then there's a final question there for reflection at the end of the day, um, just for gratitude and reflections, right? And so, you know, once again, it's about waking up and going through this and being really intentional about, okay, what are the things that really matter today? Like if I could have a really great day, what would that look like? Because it kind of occurred to me that everyone wants to have a great day, right? No one wants to say, no one says I want to have a crappy day. Everyone goes, I'd love to have a really great day, but no one ever stops and thinks, what does a great day actually look like? Like, is that achievable for me? And if I write it down, then it becomes achievable for me, Mm. right? So it just, it literally walks you through that. So there's a monthly plan where you sit down at the start of the month, you go, what are the big things that are important this month? There's a weekly plan that I generally do on a Sunday night that says Mm -hmm. coming up this week, what are the most important things for me to be aware of? And then there's that daily plan. And it sounds really onerous, but literally it takes three minutes when you get good at it, it takes three minutes. And it's like a little bit of therapy every morning too. Well, yeah, you're really just bringing that um, intention front of mind. And once you do that, it's, it's, that's it. Your day basically kind of just evolves from that. I just want to thank you so much for your time. Honestly, I had to remind myself to sort of be tuning in as the host at points because I was just like absorbing everything and I'm going to have to go (laughs) back through with my, my pen and paper and write down heaps, but I've learned a lot today. I really want to thank you for your time. I know the listeners will have taken a lot from today as well. So thank you so much.